Hi everyone, Benjamin Smith here, pastor of Revealing Truth Ministries, Wesley Chapel. You know, God is always speaking good things to us and he has a word for you today, we are sure of it. Take some time out to listen and we'll be back as soon as we're done. God bless you. All right, let's pray. <laughs> uh, Father God, I thank you for today. We never take it for granted, this opportunity to come and minister together. I pray that you give me your inner wisdom to speak life into each and every person. God, I also pray that everybody under the sound of my voice will get something out of the message today that they can use and make their lives better. Not just years from now or months from now or weeks from now, not even days from now. Our prayer is that they will be able to use this message and make their lives better immediately. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. You know, loved ones, before we get started today, we just came through Thanksgiving. Give God some praise for that. I pray you had a wonderful Thanksgiving. We've been also for weeks now talking about sending in your unbirthday photos. And we're going to do a combo deal today. We're going to show you, for those who weren't aware of what went on or you didn't have the opportunity to come out with the baskets and the families, we're going to show you that, what you were able to help meet the needs of folks and bring some joy during, their, during this season. Let's start off with those Thanksgiving pictures. These are giving out things to families. Oh, give God some praise for that. Go ahead, just, you just run them through. As you can see, we just, everybody just enjoying themselves and the love. I don't know what Greta's doing there, playing with Spider-Man. I, I, I do know that this is not a small thing to do. I, I grew up, and I, I, I grew up with a family. We always had what we needed. It's a large family. If there was ever any gap, because you had so much family around, you always had somebody that would help you out. I've also grown up with people who did not have anybody to help them out, did not have anybody to meet the need when they had a need. And to be able to show the love of God by, during this season in particular, provide some folks an opportunity to feed their family. I think one family was a family of 16. 16. I mean, I just, it, it, does, it does my heart good. And for each and every person who is in the photo serving, who prayed for us as we were putting baskets together and whatnot, Whatever your part, thank you. My wife went and did the, the shopping for the items, which give God some praise for that. Oh, pause right there. Pause on that one. We have a, 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 we have a new baby in the family. Give God some praise for that. Now, Quay, I don't know if you remember he, when he was here before he went into the military, he was a technician. Wasn't Quay technician? Quay was doing technician stuff. He's been back here. He's actually been back here with his now wife. Give God some praise for that. 
And his wife's name is what? Katie. Katie. And she is a nurse? No, she's in the military. She's in the military. Katie, they're both in the military. But as you can see, they have now given birth to their first child, baby girl, baby girl named Kaylani. Give God some praise for Kaylani. What, what makes this special to me is I always enjoy as people come in and out, as life takes them to different places, they still stay connected. And just like we pray for him and his wife and being in the military, now we got another little prayer to send up for little Kaylani. You got that right? All right, let's move past this picture right here. What else we got? All right, we got some unbirthday stuff coming up. This is the Mitchell family. Went the crumble cookie, look like crumble cookie. Them cookies weigh like five pounds a piece. And they all smiling. Oh, look at them. What's with all them flowers and stuff in the background? That's how you keep that thing spicy, you know what I'm saying? I like that. Keep it close. Oh, is that is is that is that the classic? Vince and the family at the classic. Oh, popping off. Fried fish, collard greens, everything. Like the macaroni and cheese, everything out there. Everything out there. And fam one. Finally, Okay, wait, wait. Oh, Miss Karen. All right, I see her in the back. Woo, look at all the people there. Is, is this local? In California. Give God some praise for that. I remember the two at the bottom there from her things. Okay, go back. Go, keep going. Let's see. Let's go ahead. Oh, the little man peeking around the corner. Yes. Oh, what's the trophy for? Cheerleading? Super midget. Second place. That's a big second place trophy. And they going to the championship? You better do it. Oh, she already left already. Now, now pause right there. What I want to know is about this hand on the hip thing. How can you be so young and every time the camera comes, you stick the hip out? That's what I want to know. Good Lord. That's a, why you, my mama taught me. <laughs> my mama taught me how to stick my hip out like that. Oh, look at that. Sister love. Hey, it's generational. You just pose for the pictures. I love, I love that. And the smiles on their faces, too. Okay. You need a, you need a bigger house for all them trophies, Miss Dara. Aww. That's a beautiful picture. Oh, that's me and Vince. At the gym, getting it in. Well, we ain't playing around. I'm going to send that to you. Is that the last one? That's the last one. Now, all of these, all of these photos, for those of you who, who don't know, as you're enjoying life, 
not just on a quote unquote identified by the federal government or somebody else special day on each and every day that you identify as special. That's 365 days a year. You have a special day. Doggone, take some time and celebrate your special day. If you want to do that, send your photos right here. RTMWC Special Events Team at gmail.com. We'll leave it up there for a couple seconds. You just snap your picture and just snap your phone out. And just snap your phone out. Just take your phone out and snap a picture. She did. All right. Thank you for all of that. Let's 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 get let's get started. We're gonna start with our first image here. And our first image, it needs some explanation, but it'll make sense to you. Um, after we get get going here, you know, we've been talking about taste and see. Oh, you know what? I did forget that. You know what? Thank you for you. You got me. Y'all got me. My technicians. We're getting ready to start without me doing my Bible confession. You know, that's not right. Let's say this together. Ready? Go. This is my Bible. I can be what I say I can be. I can do what it says I can do. I can have what it says I can have. Every verse is God breathed and I aim to live by every word. It is essential to my faith foundation and works to change me from the inside out into the person God created me to be. That is why I shall never let it go. It is reliable. It is the truth. It is divine. It is the word of God and shall forever be to me my Bible. In Jesus name. Amen. Now the first image. Family, we've been talking about taste and see. And as we approach the end of the year, there are certain things about taste and see that I want to share. But I want to share those things in January. As you know, as a ministry, what we do is we go through certain series. And sometimes, depending on how long we stay on a series or when we start the series, there is a lag. What we're going to do is we're going to, for the balance of the year, we're going to butt up exactly with the series titles that the ministry is doing. That next one that we're going to jump into today is Live Louder. And if there are any other series that filter through in the month of December, we will jump in and we will take a quick snapshot of those just so that you can be in alignment all the way through. But taste and see, though. There are things in particular, three messages in particular that I want to share with you. So if you're leaving space in your note tablet, if you have tablets or if it's digital, it doesn't matter. Know that taste and see, leave a gap for taste and see for me. Because when we step into January, we are going to have three more taste and see sessions that are going to be critical going forward. Live louder. We're going to connect these things. Not forcefully, but just know that they've always, at least in my mind, been, been connected. Let's go to our Psalm 34. Psalm 34, verse 8, King James Version, David's words here. The same words that we've been on during Taste and See. Psalm 34, verse 8, King James Version, David writes this, O taste and see that the Lord is good. 
Blessed is the man that trusts in him. And when David writes these words, taste and see that the Lord is good, he's making a particular statement here. And people take this statement in error to mean that God will always keep a smile on your face. That's not true. David knows that's not true. He wouldn't even imply that because he knows better. He knows better because, well, he has experienced moments in his life to the contrary. He has experienced moments in his life that, as people say, go up and down. Next image. You've seen this image before, so we're going to go ahead and go through it quickly. But how do I know that David knows that life has its ups and downs? Well, I know David knows because of what David's been through. Quickly, there was a point in time where David, 1 Samuel 16, gets anointed by Saul because God says that guy's going to be the next king. And his life took an upward, upward trajectory. King Saul loved him, brought him in the house. He was his armor bearer all the way up until he actually slayed Goliath. And when he slayed Goliath and he got to marry the king's daughter, everybody was like, David, David. Dave, everybody loved him. But then Saul gets jealous. He gets concerned that what's going to happen is this popular man, this young man, this boy is going to take my throne because everybody likes him. So you know what I'm going to do? I want to kill him. Here comes the down. So now David's running for his life. From a king who used to love him, but now he wants to kill him. David knows for a fact, loved ones, that God's sole purpose in life is not to keep a smile on your face. He knows that because what? He recognizes life has moments that don't always keep you smiling. Life has ups and downs. Yet and still, knowing that life has its ups and downs, he says this at the beginning of Psalm 34. Next thing. Psalm 34, verse 1, King James Version, and the voice. He starts off before he even says, taste and see. He says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. The voice says this, I will, I will praise the eternal in every moment through every situation. Whenever I speak, my words will always praise him. When David says this, it's a declaration. It's a declaration that he knows that God is good. No matter what I've been through, I will praise him anyway because I know that God is good. Ironically, David knows that God is good for the same reason he knows life has hard times. He knows that life has hard times. Why? Because of what he's been through. On the flip side, he's saying, I will bless the Lord at all times. I know God is good because of what I've been through. The same reason. It's a declaration. But I want us to pause. We pause because I want to make sure that we're clear and that you realize that we're not contradicting, contradicting ourselves. 
a session or two ago, I made the assertion that God is good, period. God is not good based on how you feel. God is not good because you tasted and saw. God is not good for any of those reasons. God is good because God is good. And that assertion still holds. It remains true. Now, though, I want to add another thought in the pot. Family, knowing that God is good because scripture tells you so is one thing. But knowing and learning and understanding that God is good because you have experienced his goodness is another. Although God is good just because he is, a believer benefits from knowing from experience that God is good. Said differently, when you have an experience with God, or we can say it this way, once you have a testimony, after you have a testimony, that is next level learning of God. David says, oh, taste and see that God is good. But notice what he's not saying. Next image. He is not saying God is good because I have tasted and seen. That's not why God is good. God is good no matter what you taste or see. God is good no matter what I taste and see. He's not going in that direction. Instead, what he's saying is, because I have tasted and seen, I cannot testify. I cannot. Nah, good Lord. You can take the boy out the country, but you can't take the country out the boy. What he's saying is, because I have tasted and seen, I can testify that God is good. Different direction. Next image, please. If we were to say, let's take David's, let's, how do you, how do you put it? Bless the Lord at all times, which is Psalm 34, verse 1. And then, oh, taste and see, which is Psalm 34, Psalms 34, verse 8. And we were to translate that to someone in the New Testament. We could go to Paul and say, hey, Paul. Give us your view of what David's telling us here. Paul would take us to Philippians chapter four, verse four. Message Bible in King James, where it says, Celebrate God all day, every day. I mean, revel in him. The King James says this, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. That sounds very much like Psalm 34, verse one, don't it? David says, I will bless the Lord at all times. Paul says, celebrate God all day, every day. 
David says, his praise shall continually be in my mouth. Paul says, I mean revel in him. And again, I say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord. When? All day, every day. Paul is going to be our guide into blending in this thought that, yeah, God is good because he is. But believer, you getting a testimony is next level. In Philippians 4, from this point going towards verse 11, Paul says a lot of good things. You know, he talks about that you shouldn't be so anxious. He talks about if you're going to talk about something, talk about whatever is true, whatever is pure, whatever is of a good report, all of that stuff. But then good old Paul slides into verse 11. Notice. Verse 11, we're going to go through 13. This is not just the first part. He then says, actually, I don't have a sense of needing anything personally. I've learned by now. Good God. Paul's getting ready to tell you something that he's learned. He's not going to tell you something that he's picked up by hearsay. He's going to tell you something that he has tasted and seen for himself. He's going to tell you something. He's saying, listen, I got my own evidence. I got personal proof. I can certify. I can bear witness. I'm going to tell you something that I've tasted and seen for myself. It's not just hearsay. I'm going to tell you something because I got a testimony. What does he say? Go to the next one. Actually, I don't have a sense of needing anything personally. I've learned by now to be quite content. Whatever my circumstances, I am just as happy with little as with much. With much as with little. Why? Because I have a testimony that I'm standing behind. I got a testimony behind me. I got evidence of my God. I got proof for how he is. I am just as happy with, as, with little as with much. With much as with little. I found the recipe for being happy, whether full or hungry, hands full or hands empty. Whatever I have, wherever I am, I can make it through anything in the one who makes me who I am. Philippians 4:13 in the King James says, and you're familiar with this. Read it with me. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Paul says, God is good and I know it because I have experienced his goodness for myself. I can be happy when everybody thinks I should be sad because I know God is with me. I can be happy when I'm empty in the cupboard, but everybody thinks I should be sad because there's no food in the house because I know God is always with me. I can rejoice in the Lord always and again tell you to rejoice. Why? Because I have learned some things. I can certify. I have proof. I can bear witness. I'm not just telling you something out of hearsay. Paul linking up with us in this taste and see. He also tells the folks this in 2 Corinthians. Go to the next image. 
Paul says, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 8 through 9, King James, you're familiar with this also. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Now, if you were to read that in the King James, and even if you were to read it in other translations and not take the opportunity to go and dig into what those words are, you could miss part of the meaning. Because they're paired together. When you see the first pairing, troubled, and he puts that with distress, distress means deeply troubled. What he's saying is, listen, I know we get trouble sometimes, but I'm telling you from my own experience that we should not let ourselves be deeply troubled. We should not let ourselves be deeply troubled. Why? Because God is always with us. And I can testify to that. Paul says we are perplexed or we sometimes find ourselves at a loss. But I'm here to tell you from experience, we should never let ourselves be in despair or at a total loss. Because you can never be at a total loss when you got the God Almighty with you. Sometimes we are persecuted or under attack, but we must never allow ourselves to feel as if we're left alone or forsaken. I'm telling you what I know from experience. Because God is always with us. We are cast down or tossed away by force sometimes. But you know what? We should never let ourselves believe that we are destroyed or broken beyond repair. Because we have a God with us that can repair all things. I can tell you from experience, it's not by hearsay. I can certify, I can bear witness. God is with us. So although we are troubled on every side, we should never be distressed. Although we are perplexed sometimes, we should never be in despair. Although we are persecuted, we should never feel as if we're forsaken. Although we are cast down sometimes, we should never let ourselves believe we are destroyed beyond repair. Why? I'm telling you this from a testimony I have with my God, and my God will never let us have any of that go on with us because he's always with us. To help us in the time of trouble, to help us when we feel like we're at a loss, to let us know that we're never alone, to build us up when we need repairing. Paul is saying, listen, because I've tasted and seen, I can tell you that God is good. Loved ones, Paul, go to my next image. Let's just go ahead and go there. We're getting ready to go to Ephesians 3.20. But before we go to Ephesians 3.20, let me tell you this. Paul is telling you something that he's learned from experience. He's learned that God will never leave him. He's learned that God will never forsake him. He's learned that God will always be true to his word. Just like David. 
David can't say taste and see with everything that's gone on in his life unless he's had an experience to say, oh, God is good. No matter what you've been through, God is good. And just like David, Paul is telling us something based on what he has learned. And what he has learned gives him a conviction about his God that exceeds head knowledge. And just like David in Psalm 34, Paul and David want us to get our own testimony with God. Because a believer with a testimony reaps the benefit of knowing God is good. Ephesians 3.20 is something that we always read. In the King James Version, it reads like this. As a matter of fact, read that with me. Ready, go. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. Yes. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. The beauty of that is far beyond that one verse. And realize the most specific context of this verse is Paul's talking about God making a change in you. But also, we're going to take this to mean, listen, God is still the God of impossibility. So just because it's focused on God is able to do in you, it does not mean that we can't believe that God is able to do. And stop right there. Able to do. But the real grits and gravy of this is in the lead in to this. Look at the Amplified Classic. Pick it up at verse 14. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14 through 16 here. Paul writes, For this reason, seeing the greatness of this plan by which you are built together in Christ, I bow my knee before the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, for whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that Father from whom all fatherhood takes its title and derives its name. May he grant you out of his rich treasury of his glory to be strengthened and reinforced with mighty power in the inner man by the Holy Spirit himself dwelling indwelling your innermost being and personality. Now, here we go. Verse 17 through the balance. May Christ through your faith actually dwell, settle down, abide, make his permanent home in your hearts. May you be rooted deep in love and founded securely on love. Okay, Paul's getting ready to tell you something that's going to get you rooted. Talk about how you can be securely fastened and, and, and embedded in, in God's love. May you be rooted in love and founded securely on love that you may have the power and be strong to apprehend and grasp with all, with all the saints, God's devoted people, the experience of that love, experience, that's our word, what is the breadth and length and height and depth of it, that you may really come to know, you come to know, not just being told, practically through what? Experience for yourself. 
the love of Christ, which far surpasses mere knowledge without experience. Pause right there. Paul is not saying that there's anything wrong with head knowledge. All he's saying that if you take that one step farther and get your own experience, if you get your own testimony, if you learn it for yourself in practical terms, it's just better. It sticks more. So there's nothing wrong with mere knowledge. But if you want something that far surpasses mere knowledge, get experience. That you may really come to know practically through experience for yourself the love of Christ, which far surpasses mere knowledge without experience. That you may be filled through all your being until all the fullness of God may have the richest measure of the divine presence and become a body wholly filled and flooded with God himself. Now our verse 20. Now to him who, by in consequence of the action of his power, that is at work within us, is able to carry out his purpose and do super abundantly far over and above all that we dare ask or think infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, hopes, and dreams. Paul is saying, listen, God is able to do far over and above all that you dare ask but check this out. I'm not asking you to believe that because I told you so. I'm asking you to believe it because you go out and get an experience for yourself. God can do far over and above all that you can dare ask or pray. But I don't want you to believe that because I tell you so. I want you to believe that because you go out and get their own evidence for yourself. God can do far over and above all your highest desires. But I don't want you to believe that because I tell you so. I want you to believe that because I, you went out and got a testimony for yourself. The God that we serve can do exceedingly abundantly above your highest thoughts. But I don't want you to believe that because I tell you so. Go out and get an experience for yourself. God can do exceedingly above all that you can dare hope. But don't believe that because you read it in the Bible. Don't believe that because I tell you so. Don't believe that because your mama tell you so. Don't believe that because anybody else tell you so. Get your own experience and know it for yourself. God can do exceedingly above all your dreams. If you can pray it, he can do more. If you can desire it, he can do more. If you can think it, he can do more. If you can hope it, he can do more. If you can dream it, doggone it, he can do super abundantly above that. All you got to do to be rooted and grounded in that is to get your own experience with God for yourself. And if you do that, you will be what? Deeply rooted. You will be securely founded and grounded. You will be able to have something that far surpasses mere knowledge without experience. 
God is able to do indeed. But there's another level of believing God can do when you learn for yourself that God can do. Next image. What Paul and David are trying to tell us is, as a believer, get your own testimony with God. It's good to know that somebody knows that God is good, but it's something else to get your own testimony. When you say taste and see that God is good, it should not be taste and see and knowing that God is good because of what somebody told you, because what you read in the Bible, because what you heard in a message. It should be the other way around. Because I know God is good, I've tasted and seen it. Nobody's got to tell me that. It is a spiritual catalyst. Once you know for yourself that God is good. When you taste and see and get that testimony, Paul knows it. David knows it. It becomes a spiritual catalyst. What do I mean by that? I mean, family. You say, say I. I, yeah, I that's me, you, me, I, us, and you are more likely to bless the Lord at all times after the Lord has brought you through hard times. You are more apt, more likely to bless the Lord at all times once the Lord has brought you through scary times. You are more apt or more likely to bless the Lord at all times once the Lord has brought you through confusing times. You are more likely to bless the Lord at all times after you have experienced his love for yourself. After you have experienced his grace for yourself. After you have experienced his mercy for yourself. After you have experienced his redeeming forgiveness for yourself. The plea is for you as a believer and me as a believer to get our own testimony with God. Because it's a catalyst. Once you get your own testimony, you know it just it just sounds right to your ears that you you are more apt to bless the Lord at all times. Listen, once you have an experience that tells you why you should bless him at all times. Mere knowledge is good. But testimony is next level. Give me my next one. Why is that important? It's important that you get your own testimony not just because it's a catalyst, but it's a catalyst to what? It makes you louder. When you get a testimony, that thing grounds your conviction. It gives you tenacity. It gives you a certain swag. 
When you get a testimony, no one's got to tell you that God is good. I don't have to tell you that God saves once you've been saved. I don't have to tell you that God delivers once you've been delivered. I don't have to tell you that God transformed once you've been transformed. I don't have to tell you that God redeems once you've been redeemed. I don't have to tell you that God heals once you've been healed. I don't have to tell you that God supplies once you've been supplied. I don't have to tell you that God sets free once you've been set free. I don't have to tell you any of that stuff because when you have your own testimony, you already grounded. You already rooted securely in him. I don't have to tell you that your testimony makes you louder. And when you get that testimony, when you know in your Noah, when you are sure and nobody can shake you from it, guess what you do? You talk louder for him. You walk louder for him. You live louder for him. Audibly speaking, your testimony, that thing gives your faith volume. It gives you, it increases your decibel level. When you get a testimony of your own, it's a catalyst. It gives your faith volume. It does something else, too. A testimony with God reaches into your heart and begins to develop a yearning to be closer to him. Notice this. Now, family, to make this point, we're going to return to Moses and this burning bush. I know you thought it was gone. <laughs> this whole time, we've been in the same grouping. I just, I, I, we, we, since May, we've been talking about... God can feed you for a year on one verse. And realize it's not about the verses that you read. It's about the verses that you live in. We don't have to read every verse. If we can, if we can live 10%, we might be able to do it out the other 90. Come on, somebody. All right, but you have read this before. And we've never left this episode of the Bible. Everything we've been talking about, taste and see, it all leads us back here. But we want to specifically bring it back to your remembrance because it's time again for Moses to teach us something. Exodus chapter 1, verse 5. Verse one through Exodus chapter three, verses one through five in the voice. 
Now, one day when Moses was shepherding the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, he guided the flock far away from its usual pastures to the other side of the desert and came to a place known as Horeb, where the mountain of God stood. There, the special messenger of the eternal appeared to Moses in a fiery blaze from within the bush. Moses looked again at the bush as it blazed, but to his amazement, the bush did not burn up in flames. Moses said to himself, why is this bush not burning up? I need to move a little closer to get a better look at this amazing sight. When the eternal one saw Moses approach the burning bush to observe it more closely, he called out to him from within the bush. <clears throat> God said, Moses, Moses, Moses said, I'm right here. God said, don't come any closer. Take off your sandals and stand barefoot on the ground in my presence, for this ground is holy ground. I am the true God, the God of your father, the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. Now we zero in on what we want to talk about today. A feeling of dread and awe rushed over Moses. What are those four words, family? He hid his face. Say it again. He hid his face. He hid his face. Keep that right there. Because he was afraid he might catch a glimpse of the true God. Now, there are a lot of reasons that people will tell you why he hid his face, and all of them are valid. You know, you don't want to look at God. You feel like looking at God would, would mean your demise. We're not here to get caught up in why those four words are there. Instead, I want you to focus on this right here. At the beginning of Moses' interaction with God, God is trying to get this man to go on the mission. And we know from chapters three and four that God is having a hard time. He just don't want to go. He's working with a lot of fear. Specifically, though, family, what we learn right here is that at this point in time, Moses wants to hide his face from God. Right here, we know Moses does not want to look or catch a glimpse at the true God. That's what we know right now. I'm going to tell you, as Moses progresses, or we can say as he gets more experience with God, as he develops a couple testimonies, his perspective changes. Look at this graphic. Now, we're going to just do this really quick. Instead of reading a bunch of scripture, here we go. In Exodus chapter 3, what we know is Moses hides his face from God. As he progresses, though, between Exodus 3 and Exodus 33, something happens. If you were to go through this count Exodus, what you would find, and this is just a snippet of all the things that went on between now and then. But the major ones that you would be aware of right off the bat is one, at some point in time, Moses, his rod turns into a serpent before Pharaoh and his magicians. And remember, his rod also, God gave him that to do in Exodus 4. There are the 10 plagues that happen. If you want to know what those plagues are, they're listed right there. From one to 10, from turning water to blood all the way down to death of the firstborn. Also, the parting of the Red Sea. 
happen. As this stuff is happening, as he's getting more and more experience with God, Exodus 33 finally comes our way. And notice this. Exodus 33, verses 9 through 11, Amplified Classic. When Moses entered the tent, the pillar of the pillar of cloud would ascend. That's God's essence would descend and stand at the door of the tent. And the Lord would talk to Moses. And all the people saw the pillar of cloud stand at the all the people saw the pillar of cloud stand at the tent door. And all the people rose up and worshiped every man at his at his tent door. And the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. Pause right there. That's not personally face to face. It's relational. Spoke speaks to him like a person was talking to their friend, like you would talk to your your neighbor next door. Okay. Moses returned to the camp, but his minister, Joshua, son of Nun, a young man, did not depart from the temporary prayer tent. There is an exchange that happens between Moses and God. They're having some talk back and forth, back and forth. But we ultimately end up here at verse 17. Give me this one. Verse 17, family, Amplified Classic, 17 through 18, Exodus 33. And the Lord said to Moses, I will do this thing also that you have asked, for you have found favor, loving kindness and mercy in my sight. And I know you personally and by name. And Moses said, This is the man that wants to hide his face from God in Exodus 3. But now that he has gotten some testimony, now that he has experience with God, Moses says, I beseech you, show me your glory. What has happened? God, I don't want to see your essence no more hidden behind Flames in a burning bush. I don't want to see your essence no more and have to peep and see if I can see you through a cloud of smoke or through a cloud or through a pillar of a flame. The Bible says as he led them on their way towards the the, the Red Sea during a day, God was a pillar of a cloud and during a night he was a pillar of a flame. And it even said earlier that God came down in the tent as a pillar of smoke. God Moses said, I don't want to see you that way no more. I don't want to have to look through anything. I want there to be nothing between us. God, show me your glory. How does a man get from God, I'm scared to see you, to God, I want to look at your face? He's learned something by now. He's learned that God is not a hatchet man. He's learned that God is nothing to be afraid of. He's learned that God is not just a destroyer. He's learned that God is merciful, that God is kind, that God is loving, that God is faithful, that God can do so many things. Experience after experience after experience, his heart grew close enough to finally say, I don't want to hide my face no more. I've seen enough. Show me your glory. 
show me your glory. When you get a testimony, it festers a flame in your heart and you desire a closer walk with God. Next image. The more time you spend with God, once you've tasted and seen God's goodness for yourself, once you allow your experience with him to reading the Bible is good, but to lift you off the page, once the Holy Spirit becomes real to you, you don't just look in the Bible and read God the provider. That thing becomes personal. No longer is he God provider. He's God what? My provider. He's no longer God the healer. He's God my healer. He's no longer God the deliverer. He's God my deliverer. He's no longer just God. He is my God. He is my father. He is my, 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 my daddy. When you testify, you testify because the relationship has gotten personal. You know in your knower. God. My God. Now when you shift back to Ephesians 3.20, it's not that God is able to do, it's my God is able to do. He is able to do, get this, for me, exceedingly, abundantly, above all that I can ask or think. He can do it for somebody else, but doggone it, I know in my Noah because I got experience and testimony. I can testify, I can witness, I can certify, I can tell you that he can do for me above what I can ask, above what I can think. Above what I can hope, above what I can dream, above what I can imagine. He can do it for me. Why? I can testify. And every time I get a testimony of how good he is, my perspective, my perspective changes. It gets more and more personal. He goes from just being God of the Bible to the God of my life. God. You're not just the God that they talk about. You're the God I know about. A testimony changes your perspective. That's why David, David says, taste and see. But not because I told you so. You see, he's telling you from a testimony standpoint. But when you get your own, Paul says, bless the Lord all day, every day. And Paul has been through. Yet, he can tell you, no matter what you've been through, 
Don't take your eyes off God because God is able to do. But don't take my word for it. I got my testimony. My brother, you need to get your own. I got my testimony. My sister, you need to get your own. But once you get your own, ah, second now, once you get your own, can't nobody move you off of what your God can do. You know, our, our loving pastor used to say it this way. A man or woman with a testimony from God or an experience from God is never at liberty or at the mercy of someone with just an argument. I don't care what the facts are. I don't care what the science say. I don't care. Once I know for myself, because not that God can do, but that he's done it. Once, 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 once it goes past tense for me, you pass being able to convince me of anything different. Like I tell people all the time, as far as me and Greta, if you wanted to even have the opportunity to possibly get the chance to convince me that she did not love me, you would have had to gotten to me long before now. She has built up too much evidence to the contrary. The same with your testimony. When you see folks that get wobbly with every wind of doctrine, they ain't got no testimony. But once you know for yourself what your God can do, you're not easily shaken. You're not easily moved. You're firmly rooted and grounded. Your testimony changes your perspective. A believer with a testimony reaps the benefits of having that thing. Family, what are we saying more on a more macro level? Look at this. Your testimony is the turn up. Family, once you taste and see for yourself, that thing turns up the volume in you. Once you taste and see God for yourself, it turns up your passion for God. Once you've tasted and seen for yourself, it turns up your boldness towards and for God. Once you have tasted and seen for yourself, it turns up the volume on your witness for God. Your testimony is your turn up. Once you taste and see for yourself, it turns up the volume on your faith. Your testimony, your experience, all that stuff is your turn up. Hey, if you let it be. If you let it be. 
If you let your testimony do what only your testimony can do for you, you would be a greater asset to the body of Christ. And more of a threat to the devil. If you let your testimony be the turn up that it is, the body of Christ would benefit greatly. And every demon in hell would shudder. That is where we're coming next session. We're talking about living louder. And that thing links right up with taste and see. The next time we're together, we're going to talk some more about this testimony. And I'm not, I'm not even going to keep you, I'm not going to keep you in suspense. There is a testimony in you you need to stop sitting on. Let's leave, that's, that's, that, that gives you enough. Yeah, yeah. There is something that God has done for you that as long as you keep that to yourself, the body of Christ is not benefiting and the kingdom of darkness is happy as a lark. But you know what? We're going to change that. We fixing to change that up in here. I want you to say this with me. Say, my testimony or experience with God has the ability to be my turn up. It can turn up my passion, my boldness, my witness, and my faith if I let it. If you let it. We will be picking right up from there the next time we get together. I want you to come ready. I want you to come ready. It's something that God wants to say, and we're going to say it. We're going to say it. I love you so much. There is... There is something else that I want to share. I had planned on sharing it in January, but it is in my heart so much that I want to share it with you going towards the end of this year. And we'll just say it again in January. Um, First, we're going to pray and put a period on this session. You know what? Let's not do that. Let me just tell you. Keep in mind that this is almost like a just extra bonus. Don't try to link it too much to this yet. 
But here's what on my heart. And it, it, it guided my mind long ago. But then I heard a message from a pastor. And there was a phraseology that said, huh, interesting. I need to tell Wesley Chapel. Like, tell them now. Because as you know, I try to do things ahead and where God wants to lead us. I, I, I believe I, I, I'm, I'm in line with what he's saying, but I can't take this back with me because it's still stirring. A lot of us want to know why we cannot get to the place we want to be. And let's not use too many details. Just keep it like that. I don't know if, if, if it's the weight you want, if it's the career you want, if it's the business you want, if it's the family you want, whatever it is. But we wonder why we can't get to that place. We can't get to that place because we keep other options open. And, and here is here is the punchline of what I want to share with you. It goes like this. You will never be able to truly see what God can do with and through you if you never remove the option to be something else. And I might not have gotten that perfectly, but do you get what I'm saying? You, oh God. Okay, relationships always work good. You have a husband and a wife. And he, this is use he, this is I'm going to do it. This, fellas, I'm going to put this on us. My apologies, I'm going to put this on us, though. Let's, because let's do the dude thing. And he is, he has a relationship on the side. Okay? No matter what this man's goal is or desire is for his marriage, he will never truly see what his marriage can be until he loses the other option. Does that help? It doesn't have to be that example, but until you eliminate the option, you don't know. And you'll never know. Many of us have been living life with options. Praying to God, who is able to do, but God will not force you out of an option. You have to give your life to him. You have to give the situation to him. But as long as you keep a little option on the side, you will never know what you can truly be and what he can truly do to you, with you, through you, if you keep that other option on the side. 
We will get more into that in January. But I, I couldn't not say it. Because we shout about tasting and seeing and having a testimony of God. Your option could be the very thing that's got a stranglehold on your testimony. You have the opportunity to, to a testimony is right around the corner for you. But because you have a, a death grip on this other option, for whatever reason, you never get that testimony. And that testimony is the thing that will give you passion and boldness and witness and faith. But more to come on that much later. For now, thank you for giving me that, li that, that liberty. For now, family, know that as a believer, when you get a testimony and you experience God for yourself, it benefits you greatly in so many different ways. Your testimony gives you volume. And the way you allow that testimony to work through and in your life, that's your volume control. But we'll talk more about that next session. I love you so much. Let's pray. Well, that's what God had to say to us today. We pray that it blessed you. As always, we pray that the word of God blesses you, not just years from now or months from now or weeks from now, not even days from now, but we pray that you got something out of the message today that would change your life immediately. God bless you and look forward to chatting with you next time.